Hello, you are listening to the Omnitalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Firework, SPS Commerce, and Sezzle. Ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally, the Omnitalk Fast Five podcast is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but more importantly, a little happier each week, too. Today is June 15th, 2023. I'm your host, Dan Mazinga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are here once again to bring you the most important headlines from the past week that highlight how the physical, digital, and human elements of retail are coming together to shape the future. Chris, and it's a road-weary It is a road-weary week. week. We're week. at we're at Home Delivery World, if you notice the background noise here. We're yes. at Home Delivery World. We have our own booth. Yes. Which is awesome. Thanks MZ1. to Home Delivery World. Yes. Uh, we're here courtesy of Open Force as well. Yes. We just got back from Rice. Yes. The it last was a crazy show. In Chicago. Yes. Yeah, great show. Um, yeah, we we interviewed everybody from PepsiCo to General Mills. We had Carter Jensen back on the show. Um, we had so many wonderful people who were joining us and um, got to see a lot of convers or see or hear a lot of conversation. Metaverse, man, people were talking about the metaverse like crazy at that show. Yeah, I was yeah I was a little kind of like concerned about that actually. Like it was like a holdover from last year's like interesting content. We didn't get on the AI bandwagon maybe as much as we should have this year for that conference, but. But I don't know. It's kind of interesting. But but Anne, I got some travel notes I need to share with okay. you this morning yeah, to yeah, kick yeah, this yeah. off. Go you know, for as it. we get our get our voices limbered up here before a day full of interviews. Yes. And panel moderation. We got three panels today and probably five or six interviews we're gonna bring you guys. But I got a bug to pick with the hotels that put the towels over the toilets. That that is a that is a you have is, a bug a or a bone to pick. A bone to pick. A bone to a pick. A bug in my okay. ear. A, a bug in my bonnet. Whatever it is. A bee and in your bonnet. A bee yeah. In my bonnet. Yes. Basically, you're just frustrated. Yeah. You don't I, want... don't, I don't like that. I'm not a big fan of that. Why? What's wrong with that? It just it just doesn't feel like my bath. Things I put on myself after the bath should be above a toilet. I just I just I just don't like it. Oh, this is like getting back to your concerns about like poop spray right like the spray after the toilets like you have this theory about like the spray coming out what? this was like early early in our partnership <laughs> no you gave no me some sort of discuss we had some sort of discussion and you shared this like data with me about how like the spray from the toilets when you flush them oh, like yeah, gives like off Germ some Central. sort of yeah yes. Germ Central. Yes. But anyway but you had a bad you had a bad shower experience this morning too Aren't you my shower was about just that? the ceiling in my shower is <laughs> progressively leaking so i just kind of had to do this weird like dart around the like dripping water remains from the person showering in the room above me that were falling on me in addition to the shower water so things are going great on me talk fans let me tell you, you know, we are so ready for today you know i can't I even tell you the philadelphia downtown sheraton and which is where we're staying the luxurious philadelphia downtown yes. sheraton yes when when your soap is called gilcrest and soames and it's yeah. in a plastic bottle Gilcrest and Soaps really doesn't add anything for me. Like I just, I, I'm, I'm oh, not. Too, have I don't you heard of that brand. I mean, only because we've stayed in the Sheratons or Marriotts or yeah. something before. But actually, I'm a big fan. The last two hotels we stayed in actually have the pumps instead of the um, the bars of soap, and I'm a huge fan of the pumps uh, in both the, the shower and. Uh, like especially for the hand soap, yeah. like uh, for the I don't sustainability wanna... thing. But but putting no no no, just soam, like disgusting. Like the I ampersand doesn't add anything to me for the brand. You know what I mean? That the soaps that, that, that's, just fine with that's I'm going on. Yeah, just 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 or just say soap. Oh my god! You know I don't really care because that's what it is. Basically. Sure, it's just sure. Bargain basement. We need to get this soap. back on the rails. Yeah. All right, let's do this show. Uh, today's fast five headlines are brought to you in partnership with our friends at Grocery Shop. Grocery Shop continues to expand their lineup of keynote speakers. 
announcing that CEOs from Kroger, Tropicana, Ajo Delays USA, and Eat the Change will all be taking the main stage this September. And what's even greater is that list, of course, is still growing. Awesome. Aside from their main stage keynotes, the rest of their speaker lineup is also a must-see. Make sure to check out their just-released agenda at groceryshop.com forward slash agenda. That's groceryshop.com forward slash agenda. And while you're there, make sure to grab your ticket to the event because ticket prices increase tomorrow, Ann. Oh, man. At midnight. So don't delay. You got to go to that show. It's like one of our favorites. It's, it's, it, if it's, not it's our 100% favorite. 100% it's yeah, my favorite it's so for fun. sure. The grocery people yeah. are my people. You don't want to miss out on this one, folks. So get your ticket now. All right. In today's Fast Five headlines, we've got news on Stitch Fix, naming Macy's chief digital officer its new CEO. Walmart launching an internal generative AI testing tool. Overstock making a bid for Bed Bath & Beyond's assets. Uber rolling out, not ride-sharing, Ann, but car-sharing. Yes. I know a story near and dear to your heart. But we begin today with news from Nike. That's right, Chris. So headline number one, Nike is planning to return to DSW this fall. According to Retail Dive, the news comes just a week after Macy's announced that Nike would also return to, quote, key locations, Mm. end quote, uh, and its website with apparel, bags, and gear. If you recall, Chris, Nike pulled back on its DSW partnership in 2021 as it pursued a more direct-to-consumer sales approach in which it also exited additional retailers like the aforementioned Macy's and Urban Outfitters. Urban Outfitters, yeah. I, didn't I, didn't know really, I guess so, outfitters. yeah. I guess it was, yeah. Uh, well, despite requests, Nike did not respond to questions from retail dev about why it's returning to DSW and how this impacts its D2C strategy, strategy going forward. D2C. Chris, this is also the A&M put you on the spot oh, we're question. we're going to get started here we're early gonna get and started. we're amping up. Yes. Right. So A&M wants to know, Chris, is Nike's return to DSW and wholesale a short-term play to navigate slowing Ooh. sales during recessionary times? Yeah. Or does this signal a flaw in their theory that a bigger D2C Ooh. business will translate directly into higher margins Ooh. for Nike? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I actually, I'm going to go on, <clears throat> I'm going to not, I'm going to not pick either option A or B, Ann. Okay. I'm going to say it's neither. Oh, what I, do you think the reason I, is? I actually think this, this, I think this whole thing shows that Nike is playing an omni-channel master, is doing a master, giving a master class on omni-channel retailing. Okay. How come? Because if you look at the timing of this announcement yep. or the, the initial pullback, yeah. it's 2021. Yep. What's happening in 2021? The pandemic. Yep. So Nike knows they can pull back their wholesale distribution, yeah. reset their base yeah. without any comp risk in 2022 because they know all the sales are going to happen digitally. So they see what transpires in 2022 hmm. and then they go, okay, you know what? Now we know exactly where we need our wholesale distribution. Interesting. You know? yeah. So we can be smart about the partners we pick. And the other aspect of that is, you know, Macy's and DSW want them really badly yeah, for sure. after not having them for that past year. So that gives them negotiation leverage as well. So I think this is just a natural extension of a smart strategy from Nike from the get-go. It's brilliant. Brilliant in my mind. And the best part, Ann, yeah. the comp is already built into 2024 now. Like, they've got easy mm. comp now going into 2024, right. which right. is huge. Right, yeah. That's really smart, Chris. I mean, I think that I hadn't considered that element of it, but I do think that... Yeah, it's definitely it makes sense in terms of like the motivations for the back and the forth and they're Nike. So they can do this. Like, yeah. I think that's another thing that we didn't 
we don't talk about here is that this is a unique brand that's able to pull back and kind of hold all the cards and not uh, not every brand is able to do this i'm i'm also curious like how much returns played into this because Mm. when you look at nike going direct to consumer like they don't have Mm. a lot of stores and they you know if you're a nike member you get free shipping and free returns. Yeah. And in most cases, it's, it's footwear. Like, they're not right. applying any, like, volumental technology right now to right. fit. So you're still ordering, you know, two, three pairs of shoes and then shipping two or one or right. however many back. And I'm curious, like, that's that's not cheap, especially when you're talking about, you know, big boxes and that kind of thing. We're at home delivery world. Like, that was the kind of thing that kind of came to mind. Yeah. And I think that also it's interesting to see like the categories that they're going into. So Macy's, they're just doing like apparel right. and footwear, which right. makes sense for the Macy's yep. customer. Um, I'm curious what the, the actual shoe, like I think DSW is, is more appealing to me because it's a shoe play, mm-hmm. not just an apparel play, right. which I think is a different uh, case too. And one of the biggest complaints that I have, I think, from the Nike store experiences that I've had lately is right. that there's just not enough product on the floor to really get it to really have that full shoe shop experience, which you'll get at DSW too. Yeah, right. And you're kind of hitting at the point too, and it is kind of tongue in cheek in in Anm's question. I'm guessing too, like the the more margin from DTC, yeah, it just doesn't exist. Right, right. Like that's been proven out. You're not going to make more money just going direct to consumer versus the wholesale channel unless you've got something really, really cooking and smoking. So the return factor is yeah. probably a thing. And yes, that definitely helps ameliorate well, the, that issue. The other thing too is like all the overstock. Like what are you doing with all the overstock yep. that you don't sell? And to yep. pull out of a player like DSW seems like a, a crazy play. Like people are not shopping Nike's app or Nike.com the way that they are used to going in and getting the deals at, you know, a DSW or even even maybe a Macy's in some cases. And too. it's a different customer too, totally. honestly. Like they get they get let's be honest, they get the bargain basement Nikes for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Know, There's no so like you're drops. hitting a different customer at a different price point than you are through your direct to consumer channels, most likely. Right, hundred percent. All right, headline number two. This one's interesting. Stitch Flix has named a new CEO. Also said Stitch Fix, not Stitch Flix. That sounds sexy. According <laughs> to Retail Dive, again Matt Bear, Macy's chief digital officer, will take over the CEO role at Stitch Fix from Katrina Lake on June 26th. Lake had returned to the helm. Had returned. Excuse me to helm the company for the past six months upon the abrupt departure of the company's former CEO, Elizabeth Spaulding. Bear joins after stints at Macy's and Walmart and takes over after Spaulding had created a purchasing option that allowed Stitch Fix customers to buy directly from its site in stark contrast to its original operating model. In the past several months, however, Stitch Fix has moved away from the strategy and according to Retail Dive, has been, quote, restoring an emphasis on its style-led box service and focusing on profitability over growth, end quote. And Yes. What are your thoughts here? You like this move? What does it say about either Macy's and or Stitch Fix? You know, I, I'm focusing on Stitch Fix here, and okay. I think that the key point to focus on is if there's a time for Stitch Fix to become relevant again, now is the time. If there's a time, If right. there's a time big if yeah but i mean i think you look at so many companies like reinstating return to work policies a lot of people haven't been wearing you know clothes they have a new wardrobe about going back to work and and so i think it's going to be interesting to kind of start to see you know 
if if like newly another clothing subscription service that's really taken off from you know the Urban Outfitters and Anthropology team, like yeah. if Stitch Fix can kind of use this time with this new CEO to reinvent itself to become relevant again. But I think that the the key things here are going to be how they di- differentiate, how they do that. It's clearly not in selling the apparel like they thought, like they right. tried over that's the last exactly few right. days. It's, it's a marketplace. It's about figuring out the right mix of product and people. And I think like a partnership in this case might make sense for them to be doing. I actually even like, I would love if you could see Stitch Fix go and partner with somebody like a Farfetch, like who's, who's Hmm. taking like high end, some luxury goods and really kind of bringing that luxury consignment experience into a returnable, Hmm. rewearable, like Hmm. clothing experience to really kind of capture that niche that especially that next generation mm. customer that wants this like quiet luxury experience mm. but can't you know afford to get into that as a as an ownership stake they can get into mm. it as a rental stake mm. um i think something like that could be really unique and inventive um i don't know that macy's chief digital officer is going to be the one to like yeah. come up with some of these right. ideas but i'm curious what your thoughts are yeah i don't know i don't know man that's a crowded space i don't know if i don't know if i can buy into that but you know my thoughts are my thoughts are a couple fold on this like first of all Let's hit the Macy's side of this. Like, to me, there's a lot of leadership change going on at Macy's now. Mm-hmm. You've got a new CEO coming on board because yep. Jeff Gannett uh, announced his retirement. Uh, you've got the chief digital officer leaving, mm-hmm. who was supposed to be the architect of the big digital strategy, which was the marketplace. Yep. He was there a scant three years. Yes. So it's kind of like, why aren't you seeing that through? How is that doing? Yeah. Is this a harbinger for more bad earnings to come for Macy's? I think you have to ask that question. Now the six fish side, right? Mm-hmm. I think you're right. It's like it's a it's a tough like even as you're talking about it, it's like it's tough to see how they win in the long run. Like mm-hmm. Farfetch, my thing would be like, why does Farfetch need them to do that? Right? right? Like, couldn't they do that on their own? And then it's a wholesale pivot to resale too, which could maybe is a way to take this. But but let's get back to to Matt Bear too. So, um, you know, first of all, his background and as we talked about on the show is much better than the previous CEO. Yes. I mean, we kind of we kind of predicted that the CEO was going to go out in a flame when she got hired. Well, she was only a six-month hire. Yeah, so she was like a temporary No, hire. no, she was a hire, and then Katrina Lake came in. Oh, for six for months. For six months in the Got interim, it. right? So, so we kind of predicted that was going to happen. But then my other thing is, let's talk about Matt for a second. So my first impression of him is okay. Like, I heard him speak at Shop Talk. I was kind of like, meh. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing, like, in the green room, I don't know if you remember this, but, like, he, I like, do turned not. his badge on us. And I was like, dude. On us or you? On me, particularly. <laughs> yeah, because I was walking by. He, like, turned his badge. I'm like... Dude, come on. Yeah. It's a green room. Yeah. Don't turn your badge in the green room. Everyone knows each other. You're supposed to be in there. And by the way, we do what we do. I know who you are. Yes. So take it down a peg. But, you know, with that said, I talked to my friends at Macy's, my sources. They say he's a he's a good guy. He's a smart guy. Yeah. Gets e-commerce really well. But to your point, is that going to be enough to transform Stitch Fix, which it seems like it may need ultimately at the end of the day. But I think he's probably a good guy to reset the table, get it going on its right footing again, given the old school business model that they originally started. Yeah. But, you know, so they'll get some, they'll get some better operations going, some more efficiency here. But um, I, so for that, I like it, but I still don't see the long run for Stitch Fix. I, I still think I question this hire a little bit because oh, I still wow. think you have a customer acquisition problem. Yeah. You have to get customers back and yep. you have to get the next generation of customer. And there's nothing unique about Stitch Fix that is doing that right now. So no matter how good the app is, no matter how good the digital experience yep. is, like if you can't get customers to come back to the platform with something that differentiates you, like yep. 
you're not going to survive. And so I think that to me, I think is something we'll have to see how the digital and marketing teams are working together at Stitch Fix to really give people that reason that Stitch Fix exists. And the other part too, as we've heard a lot under the hood from our sources too over the years, like there's been a lot of questions about the AI and the actual AI being done in the styling, the actual data science in the styling versus the actual physical stylist. The, the actual people stylist, them not being happy. Yes. You know, maybe I wouldn't be surprised if he's selling like, hey, AI can be the way to change this it model. It might be. And maybe it could be. Like, that's a whole nother way to transform it. So, yeah. There, yeah. Who knows? We'll see. It's going right, to be Chris, fun to watch. Let's go to headline number three. So, Walmart has launched a new internal generative AI testing tool. Speaking of AI, uh, according to Chain Storage, Walmart is rolling out the Walmart Gen AI Playground, an early stage internal generative AI tool where employees can explore and learn more about the new technology. Cheryl Eno, I hope I'm saying your name right, Cheryl, executive VP for new business and emerging technology at Walmart Global Tech announced Walmart Gen AI Playground in a LinkedIn post this week saying, quote, a key benefit of the playground is that there will be various Gen AI models available to try out all in one place, enabling our associates to see the difference in how each model reacts to the same prompts, end quote. Chris. Yes. What do you think of this one? Oh, man, and I'm all in on this one. I, I mean, I am so all in on this. So we've got the interview with David Leibowitz of Microsoft yep. and Subreve of Nuance coming in two weeks. And yes. by the way, fans, 1,700 people have already Unreal. registered. So if you're not part of that party, get on the party. But my favorite part of that interview yes. was when I asked him the question, you, you're in a lot of retail executive boardroom conversations. Yes. What separates the retail executive from who gets it from those who don't? Yes. And he said it was basically what's in this headline, which is they're giving their teams the license to experiment, and the tools to try to understand AI. Yes. And so that's what this is about. They, this shows me that Walmart gets the punchline to the joke of how you need to start incorporating AI into your business. We've been experimenting with it. It's fun. It's interesting. It makes your job more interesting. Yep. And at the end of the day, like I wouldn't be surprised if McMillan is employee number one trying to use this tool I would to hope see so. how it works. And I hope so too. Yeah. Right? And I would give him the credit that he probably is. Yes, for sure. I mean, I agree. I think that... It's number one, it's just getting people using it. It's fun. Like once they, once you start to catch on, like I think this is a technology that is, is intriguing for people. They're curious about it. They're hearing about it in the news. And so I think that like this is very smart of Walmart to be like, Hey people, we're going to give you these like subscriptions to the, and, and access to this like world quality AI, gen AI. Now go see what you can do with it. And you know yep. what? Who's gonna you know who's gonna win from this is Walmart. Yeah, Walmart. Because is. every idea, every process that every employee tries to make more efficient at Walmart using Gen AI, that's all Walmart IP. So they're basically paying their employees to, you know, just right. test and right. create and come up with new things that will make the business run faster and will potentially save the business millions of right. dollars once they up or update their processes. Which is a great point. So for all those people listening to this, working in a retailer, thinking about dabbling with these tools. If you're the expert in your company at doing this, be very careful about how much you're doing it and how much you want to do it at that company because there's a good chance you could spin out that tool and create a new business all by yourself before giving it over to your company like a Walmart, a Target, anything, and them taking all the value from it and you getting probably like a pat on the back at the end of the day. But then you have to be a tech hustler. Then you have to be like a tech vendor hustler. But hey. So are you ready for that challenge? That's That's the That's the big challenge, right? All right. Headline number four, Overstock wants Bed, Bath & Beyond's IP. According to Retail Dive, Overstock.com has offered $21.5 million for the intellectual property 
via what is known as a stalking horse bid. Did you know about that before? I'd never heard a, a stalking, stalking horse. horse bid. Yeah, I'd heard of it. But I mean, probably, like, that's probably like a business school term that you hear, but like, oh, what's really? a stalking horse? Oh, I, well, and it's funny you should ask because a stalking horse bid means that Overstock's offer yeah. will set the minimum threshold for any additional bids. So, uh-huh. so like, is it an actual horse? Like a stock? Is there like a stocking horse? Yeah, and look out! There's a stocking hors over there. Well, that's look what out. I mean. Is it like a pace setter? Is there a horse stocking us? Do we need I don't to know get a where restraining the order. Comes from? It's like gift horse in the mouth. Like it's probably. That's just what origin, I mean. Right? Yeah, like I kind of yeah. want to know. I don't know. People, if you have any background, please. But anyway, we write digress. us. Yes, it's like the the horses running along the beach, like we talked yes. about yesterday. Uh, Overstock's offer sets the minimum threshold for any additional bids, which must be submitted by noon on Friday to the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the District of New Jersey. An auction, if needed will then occur at 10 a.m. Eastern okay. on June 21st. According to court documents, Overstock only wants Bed Bath & Beyond's internet properties, mobile platforms, business data, and its trademarks and intellectual property. The offer does not include any of Bed Bath & Beyond's stores. <laughs> no surprise there. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a there there with Overstock and Bed Bath & What do you think? You know, I do. I think yeah. if there's a player All to right. come in and get the 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 scraps, the table scraps from Bed Bath & Beyond, I think Overstock makes a ton of sense. I wonder how much business they're, like how much product they're already buying from Overstock Bed Bath & Beyond already right. anyway. And I think if you look at like capturing those Bed Bath & Beyond customers, like they're used to a deal. Overstock does like memberships and other kinds of mm-hmm. things. You can do away with the 20% off like mailers that Bed Bath & Beyond did and still get that customer who's yep. like, oh yeah, this is great. I can still get you know, the, these, this bed sheet set for 20% off of what I would have paid to retail. Yep. And so I think that they are uniquely positioned to really capture the customers, to provide them a higher quality level of service. Um, and I think that, you know, when you also look at like who's doing e-commerce well in this space, Overstock's been doing this for a long time. So it just makes sense to kind of further ext- extend their their um, product catalog and um, and just see like how they can continue to build the business. But what do you think? You This is your territory. Yeah, this I is agree. Homeland I agree. You. Like, yeah, no, thank you for that. Yeah, no, I was going to say when I was the VP of Home Furnishings for Target.com, the two retailers that I always look to beyond the, the you know, the, the usual suspects, which is Walmart, Amazon, and Wayfair. Yeah was Overstock and Bed Bath. Yeah. Like, that's who it was. Yep. And so I actually think there's a lot here, and particularly for $21.5 million, which isn't very much, the IP that I particularly like is the college business. Mm. Like, they, Bed Bath & Beyond knows how to do the college business well Yeah, digitally. that's a great point. And so you could take that tech, figure mm-hmm. out how to do it, market it in the same way. You could even stand up the same website for the most part, just yeah. keep running and operating the website. And that's a high margin business every single year. Yep. That alone makes this deal worth it. Then you've Smart. got the wedding registry as well mm-hmm. as a part of this. So like and and for the most part, Bed Bath and Beyond gets cachet brands. Yes. So if you can keep the cachet brands in your portfolio for for the wedding registry side of the business, that deal is gonna pay off. And that's a lot less than comparative companies have spent on acquisitions. Like you think of Walmart's acquisitions yeah. and how much they spent targets back in the day with like cooking.com and stuff like yeah. that. This is a pittance compared to those. Yeah. So this is a, I think it's a smart move. Overstock o- always surprises you. Overstock.com is getting an overstock.com deal on yeah. buying Bed right. Bath & Beyond. Right. That's right. what I think you're saying. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And that's the thing too. People don't understand. Like Overstock, as much as the, 
I wish it, I wish they would never have created that name because it's actually just a good e-commerce site at yes. the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. You can get everything on there. Like yeah, you can. It's not overstock, really. Yeah. It's just great stuff. It's all it's all like drop ship market available goods. Yeah. Same all right. As Wayfair. Let's go to headline, headline number five, Chris. Uber is now doing car sharing. Yes. Uh, according to Motor Incorporated, shout out. I think that might be the first time we have had a Motor Incorporated. First and last, I'm guessing, Ann. Maybe uh, not. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you know, not. Maybe EV, not Motor EV's Incorporated. EV's big. We could you see. You found this article. Where are you scanning Motor Incorporated, I'm not. I'm not scanning Motor Incorporated. Okay. This I heard on another your, business podcast. It's not in podcast. your regular routine no, to no, look no, up no, Motor no. Incorporated? Okay. Not yet. It came your way through maybe, like a service? Maybe. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, okay. So Uber announced it will soon bring its car sharing service to North America after having offered it for a few months in Australia. It's going to be offered alongside the company's existing ride-hailing and food delivery services, Uber Car Share is what it's called. It will allow owners to rent out their vehicles when they don't need them. Uh, from the user's point of view, the Uber app will allow them to view available vehicles in their area, select one that fits their needs, and budget. Uh, pickup and drop-off will then be arranged with the car's owner, which means that unlike traditional rental cars, users will likely not be able to take a car to a different city and leave it there. At least let's hope not. Let's, fingers <laughs> crossed, man. That would not be good. Uh, Uber CarShare will be, not become available across the continent all at once, with the company targeting Toronto and Boston as the two starting points for this service in North America. Mm. Chris, yes, are you yeah. into the Uber car sharing idea. What do you think about it? Oh man, and <sighs> it's unique. You know, I think it's okay. an interesting idea. Uh, the news cycle has been slow. And I think recently, cause you know, honest, I'm trying to find the bridge here for omni-channel retail, but I'm going to do it. I'm okay. going okay. to make the effort here. Uh, I think it's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Boston is a unique starting point to me. I mean, I remember one of the first, you, you brought up business school before, uh, one of the first business school cases I ever read was on Zipcar, okay. which was a car sharing company yep. that started in Boston. Yep. And it's a tough, tough business model to make work. Um, and so, you know, again, to me, so, you know, with that aside, the question is, what does it mean for commerce and retail? So mm-hmm. I think the cool thing about this idea is that if it takes hold, mm-hmm. it means more people have access to cars. Yes. More people have access to cars more cheaply, mm-hmm. which means more people have disposable income, which means more people can get to places to shop and then spend more. So yes. for that reason, I like it. I tied it together. Woo! Well, I think, think? The, I think the difference between Zipcar and Uber car share, though, is that Zipcar were, were cars that were owned like by Zipcar. By Zipcar. Yes. So that's the, you're removing yeah, that right. major point right. of capital investment right. here. You are, you know, you're leveraging right. what people have that's sitting in their driveways, yeah. which is sitting in their driveway a Seems good, like ma- or at work, it's a good portion of the time. We've already seen companies do this well, like Turo, but yep. I think the difference here with Turo is that that's a different app. That's a new customer. You have yep. to get on the app. And I think this move is brilliant for Uber. I think it's going, I do think there's some omni-channel tie-ins because I think about how much Uber's increased investment in their delivery, yep. in their Uber Eats platform, they're in the ride hailing platform. And you have people now already going to that app. I looked up, they have 130 million people have used Uber in the last month in the US. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Right. It's so it's, it's, something that we're used to going to and now we'll see car sharing as another option i think there's huge benefits when you start to look at corporate like visits too like instead of going you know we see so many people at the airport waiting for their ubers last night if you could just go into the parking lot and get a car right now instead of waiting for that uber for 10 minutes like there's applications there but finally i think that the other application here that we aren't talking about is how uber as a as an uber driver 
you are all you also have access to this. Right. So That's not only thinking. can you yes. use this as a driver when you can, the hours that you can work, yeah. but it's basically now allowing you as an Uber driver to monetize your car while you're not driving. Yeah. And so it's like what we've seen, you know, with DoorDash and Uber trying to make these cars be on the road, doing things as much be as efficient as possible, be yeah. going as much as they can. Now you get full utilization of that vehicle for multiple drivers. Like you, you have always on, there's no friction now yeah, for yeah. the Uber driver. The other part of this too, and that you made me think about, and then we can close it up is like, this is going to make the labor shortage more, more challenging for retailers Yeah. because now I can potentially be a gig delivery driver without even owning my own car. Exactly. And that's crazy. Yeah. So that's going to make the fle- workforce even more flexible and, and it's all in one app. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah, that's big time. So, yeah, retailers actually pay attention to this because you could be working a lot harder to find that employee to stock your shelves and bring your customers but out. But Uber is also doing white label delivery services for all these retailers. So now you, as a retailer, you have access to all of these drivers right, From a delivery now. standpoint, but you got nobody to work those stores. You don't. And that's the issue, You don't. Right? The stores are going to be the problem. Right, right. That's still the issue. All right. Let's go to the lightning round. All right, Chris. Question number one. This was this one made me chuckle out loud in the public it did. I restaurant. Saw, you wouldn't tell me what it was either. You no. were writing it in the airport restaurant, yes. and you were laughing to yourself. Yes, I'm, because I wanted to do. There were so many ways I, I wanted have to ask no this idea question. What you can ask? All right. So Google has now added a feature to Google Lens that will allow you to upload a photo of questionable areas of your skin, like moles, rashes, etc. It will do an image search then and try to help diagnose what's wrong with you based on that image of your skin. So basically, it's WebMD with images. Uh, how soon after trialing this can I expect to get a text from you in the ER? Are you there right now? Are you transporting yourself? Um, telling me that you have some sort of rare skin condition that you found on WebMD. The better, the better question isn't if I'll end up in the ER because maybe, maybe the technology works and it actually you know, stops me from going to the ER, freaking out about something maybe. happening in my body. That's true. But the better That's question true. is how quickly will I use this? Probably the same day it gets yes. launched. Yes, right? exactly. All exactly. Right. Question number two, Krispy Kreme is looking for its first ever chief donut dreamer. And if given that job, what would be your day one agenda? Oh, man. So many things. I mean, taste testing. That taste would be testing? my day, day one agenda would be like, we got to remove the lard aftertaste. Oh. How do you make this like donuts be so irresistible to people? How many f- ways can we get donuts in people's mouths? Like, but taste testing first. So I would just taste be... test and strategy meeting. That would be your yes. day one agenda. All right. And taste while strategizing. Taste while strategizing. Just yeah. eat donuts all day. Oh my god, that sounds feedback so donuts. Yeah, so amazing. I like that idea. All right, Chris. Uh, Westfield is exiting its famed San Francisco Center Mall. What is your favorite memory oh, in man. or around that mall? I gave oh, you the out here in case there's well, like an Irish bar across the street that you there like. There is. Johnny Foley is right up the street. So <laughs> for sure, that's one. Watch the World Cup 2002 there. And we actually got shut in there because you went there the night before. The game was at 4, a, 4 a.m. So they had to close and couldn't let anyone out. And they couldn't serve any beer until 6 a.m. the next day. But I stayed there. So that's my favorite memory. Favorite memory of Westfield Mall was actually when we were running Store of the Future. Yeah. We went and checked it out. They had like some incubation lab kind of thing Yeah, going on the on. top floor. That was kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah, that was um, cool. Yeah, I mean, was it is cool. such a beautiful mall. I was really sad yeah. to hear about this. The old get the Gap flagship used to be across the street in the Flood Building, which oh, was super cool too, yeah. which is no longer there. So sad trip down memory lane you just gave me, Ann. Yeah, I'm All right, sorry. last one. Pat Sajak says he will retire from the Wheel of Fortune next year. What is your earliest, earliest Wheel of Fortune memory? Probably my grandpa talking about how he wanted to watch Vanna White. That's what he called oh Wheel of God, Fortune. Really? He did not 
it was like he was just so excited to watch Vanna. And Vanna, I, Vanna I didn't realize awesome. that the show was Wheel of Fortune or anything. Like, I remember sitting and watching with my very young and my grandpa just Vanna White, man. He just was like all about her. her. Turn those letters. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Well, he's not the only one, and okay. there's many people across the she, country. She's not retiring. Summer. She is not yet. She has not announced if she'll follow him. Oh my him gosh! Into I feel retirement. like Pat and Van are like that's it. You got to go out with us. I'm surprised together, I didn't right? coordinate the announcement. Yeah, I really am. You know, who knows? Get, you get yours, Vanna. Who knows? You get yours. You're your, your own woman. Anymore. You don't need no Pat yeah, Sajak. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No. You're that. Show. I thought I the, show the show was right? Vanna White. Yeah, right. I mean, right. go on with your bad Great self. Point. Yeah. Yes. All right. Happy birthday today to Helen Hunt, Ice Cube, and to the woman who said, "By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane?" As Elaine Dickinson from Airplane, about as deadpan and as well as anybody could, and. The great Joy Hegarty. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Omnitalk. We are the only retail media outlet run by two former executives from a current top 10 U.S. retailer. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us. And we do it all just for you. And we try really hard to make it all fit within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. So until next time, and sorry, everyone, for the announcements going on overhead at the Home Delivery World Trade Show. As always, be careful out there. The Yummy Talk Fast Five is brought to you in association with the A&M Consumer and Retail Group. The A&M Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Firework. Firework is the largest video commerce solution built for the world's leading brands. They empower brands with shoppable and live stream video on their own websites where people like to shop. Put your commerce in motion with Firework. Find out more at firework.com. And SPS Commerce. SPS Commerce is redefining how businesses across the supply chain operate in an omni-channel world. Their experts, tech, and data work together to fuel your growth and deliver for your customers. To find out more, head to spscommerce.com. And finally, Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit Sezzle.com.